Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Bishop Kobanga J.O. Let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 2. I know I, I read this scripture before but just for the purposes of our sharing, I just want to take this opportunity to just um, uh, read this uh, scripture. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Um, on the screen, of course, you have uh, uh, the amplified classic edition. I'll read that one as well as I'll also read the King James Version. Uh, for one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Now the King James puts it this way, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh understanding. Uh, this is uh, part eight of the series, Tongues, the Decoded Language of the Spirit. For those of you who are visiting us, we had, we've been doing a series on, on speaking in tongues, um, and I'm just on the verge of concluding the series. Uh, if you want to be able to catch up and know how I started, probably you'd better tune to our live stream and you'll be able to see all the series from part one until today, which is part eight. And of course, for those who are joining us via live stream, I take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you, irrespective of wherever you are and the circumstances that have put you uh, where you are. I want you to know that our God is not limited in terms of geographical placement. Our God is everywhere and is able to minister to us. And it doesn't matter even if, let's say, you that is joining, you get to watch this broadcast maybe months from now, um, because God is not limited to an event. God is beyond events. He inhabiteth eternity. Hallelujah. Amen. Speaking in mysteries is basically being able to speak in a lingo that is unknown by men. I'm speaking about speaking in mysteries in divine terms. Are we together, church? And a mystery will remain a mystery until it is properly decoded, until it is properly interpreted and broken down. Now, diverse kinds of tongues can be different earthly languages, but you find that the manifestation of speaking in diverse tongues, especially where earthly languages are concerned, is not only limited 
to the company of those who have become perfect in Christ, but you'll also find there are those whom the Lord has given access into his wisdom. Because when God enables you to operate in the dimension of diverse tongues, he can usher you into a certain scope or expanse whereby, apart from just being perfected in Christ, you also are able to discuss the wisdom of God. You know, we don't just speak in tongues because of speaking in tongues, my friends. There's a level of going in tongues which is beyond the beginner's point. Especially when we talk about diverse tongues in, 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 in the context of different earthly languages. Of course, there are also the speaking of diverse tongues in the context of angelic lingo as well as also the extra-celestial lingo of the Godhead. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the manifestation of diverse kinds of tongues can also be found in the midst of a church that is only handling the milk of the word of God. A good case in point is the Corinthian church. Uh -huh. You know, these guys, apart from operating in the gift of speaking in diverse tongues, they also operated in the gift of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment of spirits, the gift of faith, uh, gift of speaking in diverse tongues, gift of speaking in interpretation of tongues, and so on and so forth. Yeah. They were not short of the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. But when you look at what Apostle Paul describes of them in his first epistle, uh -huh. okay, which we know historically speaking was not even the first epistle because the original epistle to the Corinthian church got lost when Paul wrote it. It has never been found. So much as the Bible refers to this one as first Corinthians, but a biblical scholar works attest to the fact that this was actually the second epistle that was supposed to address whatsoever Paul had documented in the first epistle. So this church, notwithstanding the fact that they had all sorts of issues, these guys, they were not short of walking or manifesting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the challenge is, they were carnal. They were still at that level of handling the milk of the word of God. There were the levels of beginners. That is to tell us, beloved, you see, God is not obligated and is not limited to only operating amongst them who are mature. And that is why those of us who are mature in the faith, we must be very careful how we handle those who are young in the faith. Hello, church. Thank God for your maturity in the faith, but you must understand that our God is not respecter of persons. God respects his principles. He only upholds his principles. Yes. And regardless as to the level of spiritual maturity that you are in, if you apply the principles of God with wisdom in your life, God can find expression in you. Hey. That is the truth of the matter. And that is why for those of us who are mature, we must be very careful so that we, do not, we end up not missing God. You know, I've come to the place in my walk of faith where I've discovered something that... You cannot cage God in how he moves. Yeah. 
You know, the Bible says that out of the mouth of babes, God has perfected praise. Now, babes are not necessarily the children that we have at soul. Babes in this case could basically be those who are still young in the faith. Those who are at the level whereby they are desiring with sincerity the milk of the word of God. They have not reached the level of bones. Okay? And what God looks at is their sincerity. He does not look at the number of years in which somebody has actually been walking in the faith. And that is why we must be very careful how we handle ourselves, how we handle each other in the house of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the operations of the diverse kinds of tongues is such that they are applicable to the people and they will, and you find that the interpretation will come to those people. So long as there is the applicability. If God in his design has, has ordained that uh, people who operate in diverse tongues must understand whatsoever he's saying, then the spirit of God out of his sovereign will, he will move upon a person who is able to interpret the tongues. Or sometimes, I have seen instances whereby someone who is a spiritual babe is able to interpret a tongue. Uh-huh. It's true. Yes. Just in the same way, we know very well that the gift of prophecy, which is also one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is normally to be exercised by those who have matured in the exercise of the same. Now, the gift of prophecy is different from the office of a prophet. The gift of prophecy is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the office of a prophet is basically the, the ascension gift of Christ. Okay, what we read in the book of Ephesians, whereby when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, that is different. We are talking about the gift of prophecy. All right? Now, just to come back to my point, the gift of prophecy can operate in the life of a person who's never even prophesied before. You see, at the end of the day, God is not looking for the number of years. He's looking at the heart. So long as your heart is at the rightful place, so long as you have the right heart posture, sometimes God can bypass a person who always always prophesies and he begins to move in the life of a person who is still a babe and begins to give a prophetic word which has got accuracy. The only thing is that when you are under an apostolic oversight, such people need to be properly discipled. They need to experience the impartation. They need to be initiated, if I may use that word, and inducted into matters of the protocols of the Spirit. Mm. Now that is something else altogether. So I'm just trying to tell us that there are certain times God can move along, I mean, amongst people who have not really understood exactly what's going on. And you remember in, 20, in 2011 especially, when some of you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, you started prophesying and so on and so forth, and, you know, you were very excited. And me being a minister in my own right, I was not really moved by your excitement. All I wanted to know is whether you'll be able to walk through and allow God to consecrate you. Yeah. Okay. Understand this, friends. 
when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the unknown tongue that is mentioned here is a tongue which is known to God. There is no any other, other unknown tongue outside that which God knows. Outside of God, there is nothing else that exists. Outside of God, there is nothing that can be known. Everything that is known and unknown is within the province of God. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, the, the challenge we've had, and I want you to listen to me carefully, the challenge that we've had is that we have allowed our ignorance to make us think that the unknown tongue implies our prayer language when we speak in tongues. Are you getting what I'm saying, church? The prayer language is not a gift of speaking in tongues. In, in, as, 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 it's not among the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you read the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, Paul talks of speaking in diverse tongues. That is different from the tongue that you began to speak when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost with the outward evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, that kind of speaking in tongues is a, is a way whereby you are actually being actualized to be able to pray. Whereby when you are not able to pray in understanding, you pray in tongues. Because like I told you when I was, I don't know whether it was part one or part two, I can't remember. I told us that the times whenever you pray in your native language, whether it is English, Kiswahili, Luo, Luya, Kamba, and so on, you reach a point whereby you, you, have, you have exhausted your, all, all your prayer points. You even pick the Bible and you begin to read the book of Psalms and because Pasi has actually said when you read the book of Psalms, you'll be in a position whereby you, you, you know, you're, you're, you're able to recite the prayers of David because some of the prayers that David made are documented in the book of Psalms. Some of the prayers of Moses are documented in the book of Psalms. You even begin to cite or recite the prophetic declarations of David, of Moses, of Isaf, who was actually a worship leader in, in, in the choir of David, in, in the Davidic temple and so on. But you know, friends, you reach a point whereby it's like you have nothing else to say. Uh -huh. And I know most times this one would actually apply to those who are still growing in the faith. But even those who are mature, a time comes whereby you feel you have nothing else to talk about. Let me take it further. You are going through discouragement. Okay? Maybe you're going through some loss of job, loss of a beloved one, and so on, and you're not able to pray. So the only way, and the only means that God has given to us, as those of us who are filled by the Holy Spirit, is to pray in tongues. Whereby you go beyond your feelings, you go beyond your mind, because the Bible says, he that speaketh in tongues speaks mysteries, not unto men, but unto God. And you remember in part one I told us, we do not speak in tongues for our mind to understand. The speaking of tongue bypasses the mind and it is unto God. And when you speak in tongues, what so happens is the spirit of God takes over. Because remember, the tongue that you speak is by the spirit of God. That is if at all you're not faking it. Because we have got a lot of people within the Pentecostal and charismatic movements who fake it. Now I'm not talking, I'm not talking about people who fake it. I'm talking about those who actually got the real thing. Whereby you begin to do what? To radiate vibrations from your spirit man. And they reach a certain realm where the spirit of God takes over. Yes. 
so that he begins to make intercession for you. Yes. According to the mind and the will of God, not according to your own mind. Yes. That's why that is the benefit of speaking in tongues. Because the mind has a, has, has a propensity to cause us to be very manipulative even in prayers. Wherever you begin to practice, you know, witchcraft prayers. Because you're so carnal and you have a, such, a certain desire, a certain appetite for something that gratifies the flesh. You even pick scriptures and you begin to claim it. Because you had somebody somewhere saying you need to claim it. Claim it until you have it. That is witchcraft. You can't claim what belongs to somebody. What belongs to somebody belongs to somebody. You see somebody driving a V8, V8 and you begin to claim it. That is witchcraft. That is theft. God wants you to have not only a V8 but something better. But sometimes, you know, your mind will cause you to think that it is impossible because of your situation. So what happens is God begins to take over God the Holy Spirit, that is. And you begin to pray according to the mind of God. Come on. Because the Bible refers to the Spirit of God as he that searches the deeper things of God. Yes. There are certain things of God concerning your life that the Spirit of God wants to disclose to you. Oh, yes. It's the same, same thing when we begin to worship God in tongues. Uh -huh. Because tongues is basically also a dimension. Or, or rather, worship, worshiping in tongues is a, is a, is a dimension of tongues where you begin to worship and declare the wondrous works of God in tongues. And to the point where by now, the Spirit of God gives the interpretation of what is being sung. I'm sure we've seen a lot of that in our services, and we, 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 we bless God for that. And you know, friends, we must understand that the type of tongues, or the tongue that Apostle Paul is speaking for in this particular chapter, is not an unknown tongue. Okay? okay. okay? You, 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 or, or rather, it is, not the, it, 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 it is not the tongues that we normally speak when we pray. Alright? This is an unknown tongue. It is a mystery. It is a mystery that is known to God. And because God will disclose certain things in mysteries, he would, he would also expect that we have it decoded. That is why you find that when you speak in diverse tongues... There is the interpretation of the same. Is somebody getting what I'm saying, church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because let me tell you this. No believer can pray in the degree of this unknown tongue if at all he has not been speaking this tongue to God. Now, look at what Paul says in, in, in verse 18. In First Corinthians, he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. He was basically addressing the Corinthians. You know, the problem with the Corinthian church is that these guys used to operate in gifts of the Holy Spirit for purposes of competition. For purposes of, if it was in our day as millennials, to feel cool. Okay? There was a lot of strife. To the point whereby some began to measure themselves as to who is it that speaks in more diverse tongues than the other, such that, in, such that they digress from the original purpose as to why God the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak in tongues, and it, become all, it became all about themselves. And as a result, because they had not spiritually matured, sin crept in. We all know the story about that particular church. But understand, beloved, 
Paul was not talking about the length of speaking. Are you getting what I'm saying? When Paul said that I speak in tongues more than you all, he was not referring to the length of speaking. Paul was referring to the height of speaking. It was not about the duration. Thank God we can go into hours, and I do that a lot of that, but at the end of the day, beloved, you can speak in tongues for very many hours, but at the end of it all, you've not made an impact. Speaking in tongues is not about duration. Speaking in tongues is, is, is about heights. Are we together? You see, what Paul was saying is that, yes, you guys, you speak in tongues. And thank God you speak in tongues because you're, you're, you've been enabled to speak in tongues by the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand something, you Corinthians. The speaking in tongues is not about the length of the speaking. Paul was telling them that he had the ability to access mysteries more than anybody else. So when you're speaking in tongues, you're basically speaking mysteries. Okay? Paul was telling them that you need to reach to a level of maturity whereby in as much as you're speaking in tongues, you must come to the place of speaking the unknown tongue. The height of speaking. In other words, Paul was telling them that he was able to speak higher than anybody else. It is a dimension, or rather a realm, if I may put it that way. It is a realm within the sovereignty of the person of the Holy Spirit where you exercise authority to be able to walk in dominion. That was what Paul was basically saying. You see, beloved, the word of God as revealed by the Spirit of God is basically the mystery of God. And Paul came to the place whereby he was able to speak the language of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the general law of believers who are baptized in the Holy Spirit is basically speaking and praying in tongues. And that is good because it's, 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 it's basically biblical. But when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what you are able to deduce is that praying according to this particular scripture is basically thicker and richer than that. You know, you can pray and speak in tongues, but you're very shallow. But I'm talking of a, of, 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 of a place of ascendancy, okay? Where you ascend into the realms of God's holy mountain, if I may put it that way. A place whereby you're able to speak the word of God in a mystery, a wisdom of God. And that is basically what the gospel is all about, Okay? And that's why, you know, Paul was able, when you, when you look at the first chapter of, of, of it was it either the first or the second chapter, Paul tells us that when I came to you, I was, I was in weakness and much trembling. I did not want to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he tells them, and my preaching was not in the wisdom of men, not enticing words, depending on the, on the version you have, but it was in the demonstration of the spirit and power. So that your faith is not rested in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yes. Now, for you to come to the place whereby you're able to operate in that manner when it comes to matters of the gospel, what well, that means is that you've been able to access a certain height in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Whereby even as you pray and you speak in tongues, you enter into the realm of the unknown tongue where you speak the language of God. And beloved, you must understand that whosoever speaketh unto God is speaking the tongue of God and no man understandeth him. 
Hallelujah. Because you see, the Bible speaks of the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. Now, did you know, beloved, that God also has a tongue? Now, when I talk about a tongue, I'm not talking about the physical tongue that you have. So relax. It's not, it's, it's not that element that is within your mouth. I'm not talking about that. Now, the tongue of God is the original tongue. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Go on, go on. This is a tongue which Jesus and his father speaks and angels do not understand. Hey! That is why angels have got their own tongue. Now, if Jesus and the Father are to communicate to angels, they speak to them in their tongue, yes. the tongue of angels. But there is that tongue of Jesus and the Father that the angelic beings do not have access to. Hallelujah. They don't have access to what the Father and the Son are saying. They don't. And it is because of that that Lucifer... In the futility of his understanding, he began to cogitate a plan and a scheme to incite one-third of the angelic hosts against God. He misinterpreted what was going on. Just the same way it is possible for you to misinterpret what the Spirit of God is doing and is saying in a church such as this, and you begin to fight. You get what I'm saying? You see, the Bible refers to the gospel as foolishness. The preaching of the cross is a message of foolishness. It is foolishness to them who are perishing. But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So there's a level of mysteries, beloved, whereby when you begin to speak the lingo of God, It is something which is inconceivable. It is not comprehensive enough, especially to the natural man, because the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit, because the things of the spirit are spiritually designed. And discernment only comes by the enablement of the Holy Spirit, not by the enablement of your intellect. Read your Bible very well. Hello? You see, friends, the tongues of men, they are tongues of the earth. They are basically what I call terrestrial tongues. But the tongues of angels are celestial tongues. Uh And the tongues of God are extra celestial tongues. Hello? So biblically speaking, whosoever that speaketh in an unknown tongue is speaking a tongue that is unknown to men and angels. In other words, it's not a tongue that just any other person can speak. So it's not every speaking in tongue that can be referred to as unknown. No. What you speak in tongues is not unknown, my friend. It is known to you. How do I know it is known to you? Have you ever prayed in tongues for hours and then you reach a point you have the understanding of what you're praying? Uh Not that you operate in the gift of interpretation. But for some reason, your prayers, when you now switch to understanding and you begin to speak in your native language, you begin to feel like, like, like the Spirit of God in you is moving you to either intercede for a particular matter and, and you find that there is vocabulary that is deposited in your mouth and you, begin, and you find yourself uttering. And you find that there is so much authority and power when you begin to decree. By faith, you know it is done. Now, that is different. 
I'm talking about tongues which you do not utter. Tongues which are unknown, which are only known to God, not even known to angels. These are mysteries. Okay? The mystery of redemption, the mystery of the gospel. Of course, you'll tell me, but, but, but Bishop, we normally read that in the Bible. Very well, but the problem is, we have got so many sects in the body of Christ over the same Bible that we read. Because each and everybody has his or her own interpretation. Because of the flesh. But I'm talking about a level, and a, or rather a level and a realm where you, where, where you access, whereby the Lord enables, he, he, he gives you the capacity to be able to decode the scrolls of his mysteries. The scrolls of redemption. Okay? The scroll of the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. God gives you that ability to decode. He may even give you the ability to decode things about yourself that you don't understand. Because, you know, there are things that we go through in life and sometimes you don't understand. And God begins to decode. But you see, now the problem we have is, if let's say God, and I'm saying this with a lot of care, I'm not trying to establish a doctrine here. So be very careful in how you listen to the following things that I'm about to say. So that you do not get it twisted. Let's say, for instance, I come from a background whereby I may not know. But maybe my background could be a background whereby there are generational curses. Okay? Not that other one that some of us had elsewhere. Hello? Those who are watching, you didn't hear anything. Let us say probably, probably I'm struggling in life. And then I reach a point whereby I'm asking God, what, why is it that I'm going through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering? And then God takes me, as, as, as I begin to pray, then God gives me, a, he begins to decode the mysteries of my forefathers. Okay? And he begins to tell me this is how they lived, and as a result, they entered into ancestral covenants, so on and so forth, and as a result, this happened. And then I tell the Lord, okay, what do I do? Then God gives me a wisdom of, of, of how to undo that particular curse. Now understand this, beloved. The fact that God has given me that insight does not mean it applies to all. Hey! Are we together, church? Doing that is being heretical. The fact that you come from a background where there is witchcraft does not mean that every other person is, is, is tormented. Because, you know, we have got a lot of funny teaching. Or let's say, for instance, you are in the underworld. You served the devil with passion. You are sold out to, satan to satanic elements. Okay, and then in the process of you undergoing some form of deliverance, all right, you are delivered, and, 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 you, know, and, you, know, and you know, when you are when you serving the devil, probably some of the images of satanic spirits, they took the form of, 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 of animals that we know in the animal kingdom. Then God delivered you by his grace and mercy, because we know that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God and not of yourself, lest any man should boast. And I'm saying this for the benefit of those who are watching who walk in the ministry of deliverance. If God has delivered you, and then you enter the house of a person, and then you see a picture of animals. You know how we have portraits? 
And, and, and then immediately you remember your days in the, in, in the underworld. And you begin to say that these pictures, they are basically points of contact for the enemy. Remove them. So you start influencing a family to get rid of what is an artifact. And you create a doctrine out of that. That is wickedness. And when you got delivered, it, didn't, it, it did not necessarily mean that every portrait of an animal is a point of contact. It is the enemy who twisted the beauty of, cre of creation. Yeah. He perverted the imagery of lions and leopards and every member of the animal kingdom, including serpents. And he bent them towards serving his purpose. You get what I'm saying? And that's why you find people create very funny doctrines. Hello, so if you have pictures of animals, don't allow somebody to tell you to remove them. Hello? There are certain prophetic acts that God can take us through at a personal level, but a prophetic act is not supposed to translate into a doctrine. The moment you translate it into a doctrine, that is heresy. That is being cultic. Is somebody getting what I'm saying, church? Yes. Now understand, not everybody is able to speak in an unknown tongue according to the scripture that we read, which is different from the tongues that we speak. The tongues that you speak is known to you. It is not known to the person next to you. And the person next to you should not be offended because of the fact that you speak in what he or she does not understand. He that is, does not speak in tongues should pray that he or she gets filled or baptized by the Holy Spirit. It is for all. Or else if you're not filled by the Holy Spirit, you pray in your native language and, and rejoice in the Lord. As far as God is concerned, there is no reward for those who spoke in tongues more than the other. All of us are the same in Christ. Jesus has accepted us. We need that kind of balance. Now, beloved, not everybody can speak that kind of tongue. Paul in first, in, rather, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4, he talks of having seen someone. He, and you know, he says he's not so sure whether this person was in the body or whether this person was outside the body. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we know Paul was talking about himself. <laughs> yes. It was just himself. But the level of humility he had attained to was the fact that it was hard for him to even refer to himself. So he says that he knows of a person in Christ. He knows of a person in Christ who had the ability to speak in words. In other words, Paul had words. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Words which are unlawful for any man to utter. Now, where were these words spoken? They were not spoken in this particular realm. This man was, I mean, he was caught up into the paradise of, of, of God, or the third heaven, where he saw things. And he had things. Now the, thing, now, now, the most important thing is not what he saw. The most significant thing as per this scripture is he had words that are unlawful for any man to utter. Now, beloved, if these words are unlawful for a person to be able to utter, then it means that man is unworthy. Man is not worthy to speak such words to fellow mortals. That's basically what Paul is saying. 
The other thing we are able to learn for them from that particular scripture is that not everyone can speak unto God. Yes, we, we can all pray to God with our spirit. It is biblical, isn't it? We don't need to go through a confession box. Because the only one mediator between man and God, and that is Jesus, isn't it? We can all pray to God with our spirit. But beloved, understand, it is not everyone, it is not every believer who has access to God or his mysteries. Let me tell you this. There's a member of the deep state who's uttering from the, from the media desk. Keep on uttering. I'm not stopping you from uttering. Do you know, friends, there used to be only one tongue in the beginning? Not language. Eh? I'm not talking about language. I'm talking about tongue. There's a difference between a tongue, not this, a tongue and a language. We all know where languages came about. Languages came as a result of the confusion at the Tower of Babel. So I'm not talking about language. Let me tell you this. God used one tongue in creating everything on earth. And that tongue is the tongue of the first creation. It is the tongue of the earth. Now, watch this, friends. God used another tongue to design and create the heavens. There was a tongue that was designed to create the earth, and there was another one that was designed to create the heavens. So that, beloved, the earth becomes the arena of the manifestation of the invisible. So that the tongue of the heaven connects with the tongue of the earth to manifest what is in heaven. To manifest deity. And we know very well in the Genesis account that God was speaking. When, when, when God was speaking in Genesis, we know that he was creating things. God did not use his hand to create like you. I know we normally use the word hand, uh, uh, the, 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 that God has a hand. Well, the truth is that God does not have a hand in the sense of how we understand it. Now, that is a teaching for another day. Now, I want you to understand this. There is no way that one would say something without a tongue. Now, God did everything with a tongue. You see, the Bible tells us here, when you read the scripture here, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and we know the scripture very well, then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion of the fish of the sea and of the fowl of the air and over everything that moveth upon the earth. Now, beloved, God was not using hands. He was using his tongue. You get what I'm saying? Now, watch this. When God finished... With the earth, he gave that tongue that he used to create the earth to Adam. In other words, it looks like Cardinal has gone ahead of me, but it's good. We are in the spirit. In other words, beloved, God gave Adam an instrument of authority to exercise power on the face of the earth. Now, what was that instrument? The tongue. Yes! 
I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about authority. Authority that comes when you begin to utter from here, not from here. When you speak from here, there is nothing. But when it comes from the reservoir of your spirit, man, my friend, where your identity is, there is power. More so when you allow your spirit man to be in partnership with the spirit of God. So when we speak in tongues, beloved, the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. So when I speak in tongues, I'm basically releasing vibrations from my spirit man. Working in partnership with the person of my, of, of my being, the, the, my pristine identity. So my identity is supposed to execute whatsoever is within my spirit man. So as I begin to speak in tongues, what happens is the vibrations of my uttering from the belly, those vibrations is what the Bible refers to, rivers of living water. Okay? The rivers of living water are the rivers, and these are the streams of vibration that come from my spirit man, and they hook up with the mainstream of the Holy Ghost. You get what I'm saying? So when they hook up with the, with, 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 with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost begins to sensitize my spirit man how to utter according to what God wants, according to his pattern and design. And, and whatsoever I declare, by faith it is done. That is why I don't need to wait for a manifestation. Blessed is the person who has not seen and yet believed. Are we together, guys? Oh, yes, we're going. And like I said, the tongue that the, 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 the scripture is referring to, it is not your physical tongue, the one that is in your mouth. It is basically a pristine lingo that can be used to subdue the earth and replenish it. God gave the tongue to Adam. In other words, God gave Adam power. He gave him authority over the earth so that Adam can subdue it, beloved. And you know, friends, no man can rule the earth without dominion. Now, listen here, church. Dominion is not in what you do. Dominion is in who you are in Christ. Because who you are in Christ is what enables you, it is what capacitates you to be able to articulate the mind of God by the use of the tongue that he gave to man. We are also able to deduce that man was the only creature that God gave authority to rule the earth. Why? Because man had the structure for speaking. Not speaking with our mouth, speaking from here. Because power is inside here. From the day you, you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit and there were deposits within you. You get what I'm saying? There were deposits. And that is why it is important for you to allow the Spirit of God to lead you. First of all, into all truth. And, and, and one of the things that I've discovered when the Spirit of God is leading you into all truth is via consecration. And consecration is preceded by sanctification. To be sanctified basically means you're being separated from the world and sin. To be consecrated basically means you're separated into the service of God. And one of the things about speaking in tongues 
is that you reach levels whereby God detaches you from things you like. Not because you're forced to. Now listen here, just because God has detached me from certain things does not mean that everything that I've, that I've been detached from is wrong. What is unprofitable for me might be profitable to you. One man's meat is another man's poison. That's why we should not try to argue over disputables. What to eat, what to drink, don't drink, don't touch. Those are disputables. All right? You're getting what I'm saying, friends? You know, you, you know, the body of Christ is very amusing. People fight over dressing, hairstyle, way of life, and so on. That when you wear jewelry, you're very much of the flesh. You know, you, you know how the Bible has really been twisted by the devil? Those are disputables. For a particular person, when he or she wears jewelry, it is unprofitable. But any other person who wears jewelry, it is okay. Just the same way, some of us have allergies, isn't it? I don't like pork. If you invite me home and you prepare pork, I'll say, God bless you. And we will talk. I mean, the fellowship will continue. But I'll not eat the pork. But it doesn't mean that pork is, 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 is forbidden. You eat your pork, but if you have vegetables... More so if they are traditional Luya vegetables, even better. Okay? I don't like broccoli. But you know what, friends? Broccoli has medicinal properties. When I had H. pylori, I had to force myself to eat broccoli. It was torture, but I just ate. At that time, immediately when I was healed, I said goodbye to broccoli. I went back to my, you know, and other things. You get what I'm saying? Hmm? I don't like broccoli. Broccoli, cauliflower, oh my God, it's confusion. Hmm. You know what it, how it feels when you have H. pylori? Okay? Those of you who had it, you, you understand. Hmm? Storm Z understands. Okay? Broccoli, I mean, I mean, I mean those, you know, for me, broccoli, allow me to be heretical just for now. Broccoli is forbidden for my tummy. But for you, it is fine. So I cannot now come up with a doctrine and say broccoli is bad. You get what I'm saying, friends? You should know what works for you and what does not work for you. And don't be ashamed or feel sorry that you're not able to handle certain things. It is okay. It is okay. You've been accepted in Christ. Okay? That's why you need to understand the tongue that God has given you. In other words, you need to understand the authority because the authority that you have as a believer is your tongue. Whereby you're, you're able to articulate the mind of God not from here. You articulate the mind of God from here. Are we, are we together? You see, friends, when the authority of the tongue was functioning, Adam was able to speak to trees. Adam was able to speak to water. And all things that were put under him. And they aligned. When he began to name animals, he was basically using the tongue that God gave him. Because that is the only tongue that can give reference and identity, if I may use identity, to animals. You get what I'm saying? Let me take it further. When Adam was dressing the Garden of Eden, beloved, Adam was not 
physically tilling the garden. You know, the English language, when, we, when you read the Bible, when you, when you read English, uh, uh, you know, Bible versions, you find that sometimes English is very limiting. The truth of the matter is this, beloved. Adam was not dressing the garden with any tool because that time there were no tools. He was using words. He spoke from here, not from here, not from here. He spoke from the bed of it. And whatever he spoke, he spoke according to what God wanted. The same way God spoke Adam into existence and into function, Adam was also speaking, you know, into function each and everything that was supposed to happen in the garden. Why? Because Adam occupied, he understood one thing. He understood that the garden was basically the office of priesthood. And you know, when you're in the office of priesthood in Christ, you're basically a person who is able to utter. You are a mediator. You mediate on behalf of those that you represent. So, beloved, the other thing that you also get to know is that the earth was supposed to respond to Adam on the basis of what he spoke, not what he did. The earth was supposed to respond to the words, to the utterance, to the tongue, not to manual or physical technologies. Hello? Hello. Do you know why we have manual and physical technologies? Because we lost dominion. Hey. That is why no, no, no matter how technologically advanced man is, if man does not have Christ... If man does not have the tongue of the Holy Spirit that is able to speak things into function, into alignment of purpose, you find that whatsoever was intended to be good insofar as technology is concerned will always be bent towards serving the purpose of the devil. That's why you'll all agree with me that technology has brought more harm than good. Now, I'm not saying that we should, not, we should abandon technology altogether. What I'm saying is there is hope. There is hope. We are able to come to the place whereby we capture back, we take back what we lost in Adam and we are able to speak alignment of the things that God wants even in the area of technology so that technology will no longer bring about destruction. Yes. Yes. Hello? Hello? Because one thing I can tell you, beloved, there is nothing on the planet of the earth that responds to your hard work, much as it's good to be hardworking. Hello, hard workers. <laughs> Thank God for your hard work. Please keep working hard. Be diligent. But at the end of the day, it is not so much of your hard work that really matters, more than who you are. Yeah. And being able to bring forth that which is of you from within. That's why you can go for an interview with all your qualifications and you're not taken. Now someone who is less qualified than you that understands the power of the tongue, that understands who he is or she is, gets that job and you're left. Because this person understands his or her pristine design. In other words, this is a person who does not lean on his or her own understanding. This is a person who trusts in God. You get what I'm saying, friends? Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. God will never give us that very tongue 
until the work of posture and structure has been concluded in us. There's a certain working of God within us as believers, as saints, that he wants us to be able to actualize, to come to the place whereby we'll be able to recover whatsoever we lost in Adam. Because friends, the tongue that God has for us is, that, is, is, is basically a tongue that will offload words that are meant for building in us when we have developed structure. You get what I'm saying? And that tongue is supposed to actually rest on you. That tongue is not supposed to be in you. It's supposed to rest on you. Because, friends, the tongue of God is basically a rod that will lay on us such that we become the carriers of the rod. Okay? And the essence of doing and finishing of the work is to be able to carry the rod of iron in the end. What is the rod of God? The rod of God is basically the glory of God. Okay? It is the glory of God. And understand, glory basically is the brightness that presses out the word of God. Now, friends, you know, if glory is not upon you, you cannot be able to speak. Because the glory of God is basically the weightiness of God. Okay? Glory basically comes from a word known as kabod, which basically, is, the, the, the kabod basically means the weightiness of God, the weight of his character, of his attributes on public display. And friends, when the weight of the glory of God is upon man, what happens is God's glory takes over the rod. And what is that rod? The tongue. Okay? And that is what the glory of God will use to express dominion. Where does dominion come forth? From the mouth of man. This is how Adam operated in his pristine state. Because friends, we can only disseminate the glory of God through speaking. Because friends, the other thing you must also understand about speaking in an unknown tongue is that it is basically the representative of God's glory. When you tongue, if I may put it that way, when you tongue, you are dispensing glory. And you know, friends, Adam had glory. He had the glory of the earth. Why? Because Adam had all the secrets or the mysteries of the earth in his pristine state. And that's why God gave Adam the tongue of the earth. Now, in the, in, in, in the context in which we are in, because we are not in the days of Adam, we are in the days of grace, we're in the days of Christ. And you know Christ, the Bible refers to him as the second Adam. The second Adam implying that he is the life-giving spirit. You must understand, beloved, God wants to give us more than the earth. He wants to give us even much more than the heavens. We thank God for what God has given to us in Christ, as, as far as now is concerned. But there is much more that God wants to give us. Because, beloved, what our tongue represents is a language. And you know, when the scriptures talk about the tongue of the land, and this is in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, you can read it in, 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 in your private time. You must understand, this tongue is not what a believer has because it is a tongue of mysteries. It is a tongue of mysteries. And you know, friends, you cannot talk to God when you are not schooled in matters of mysteries. Because the tongue of the learned 
should not be seen as the ability to speak scriptures. You can speak, you know you can speak scriptures, but that does not mean you're learned. You've just, you've just accumulated knowledge or information. I'm talking about the spirit of another learning. I'm talking about the spirit of the unknown learning. Because what God is looking for in his people is being able to capture the spirit behind what is being said. If you miss out on the spirit behind what he said, then you are not schooled according to God. The spirit of behind what he said is basically being able to capture the purpose and the intention of, of the utterance. So when we speak in tongues, we must understand what is the underlying principle. When, even when you are praying in tongues, by the way, when you are worshipping God in tongues, what is the underlying principle? If you miss out on principle, then your utterance is in vain. That is something we must understand. Beloved, you must know that our God is a God who will only enable us to see things in part. The Bible says we see in part, we prophesy in part, you know. For now we see through a, gra a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I'm known. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. In other words, what Apostle Paul is talking about, he's talking about the realm of the unknown. This is the realm which is known then. A man who knows in part is unknown in the spirit, and there is yet a realm which is unknown unto this particular person. Now, beloved, the realm of the allocation of faith, the allocation of hope, as well as also charity, is the realm of now. Now, understand, despite, a fact, despite the fact that that is the realm of now, there is also the unknown realm that Paul is talking about. All right? So the unknown realm basically is the tongue. It is a mystery that God would like man to actually have in his son, Jesus Christ. And beloved, one of the things that I've known about God is this. When a man comes to the place whereby he's able to acquire the unknown tongue, what is unknown will become known to him. God will never give you something that he knows you cannot handle. That's the truth of the matter. And beloved, the realm of the unknown comes when you are able to access that dimension that Paul talks about, whereby he was able to speak in tongues more than every one of them. In other words, Paul could pray in tongues, he could worship God in tongues, but he could also make utterance, whereby he was able to access mysteries. This is something fundamental. Let me stop there. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.